Henderson, who's a regular member at our 8 o'clock service. She's here at 10.30 now to bring our reading from Mark's Gospel. The reading is taken from the 14th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Mark, beginning at verse 32. It can be found on page 964 of the Church Bible. That's 964. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet, not, I, not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is the word of the Lord. Wonderful. Rosemary, thank you so much for, uh, for reading uh, this uh, extraordinary passage as part of our little series in August on prayer, little snapshots on prayer, prayer under pressure this morning. It's funny, we, this is the word of the Lord, we say thanks be to God, thanks be to God for this agony that Jesus is going through. And I want to argue this morning, yes, thanks be to God that this little snapshot in uh, Jesus' life, his uh, relationship with the Father, is here for us to comfort, to encourage, to strengthen, and to feed us. So let's pray as I uh, attempt to unpack this this morning. Father, we thank you for Scripture, your inspired words, the Bible. We thank you for every single word therein. 
and we pray that this little passage that we look at this morning would speak to us, would guide us, would teach and encourage us for the sake of your life in us and for your glory. Amen. Amen. He's losing it, isn't he? Jesus, here. Have you got it open? Page 964. He took Peter and James and John, verse 33 of chapter 14, and began to be deeply distressed and troubled. I wonder what that looked like. How does Mark know to write that in his gospel account? He began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Tearing at his hair, where there tears in his eyes. Was he pacing around, distracted, that sort of looking into the middle distance? Was he muttering incoherently? I don't know. All those sort of uh, visible signs of deep distress and trouble. He says, verse 34, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He's losing it. Going through severe and intense time of testing on the very essence of who he is. You ever been there? Yourself? Do you know others who've walked through an hour or a day or a week or a month or maybe years of bleakness, of blackness or an intensity of pressure such that they would be described, you might have described yourself as deeply distressed and troubled. Well, here is Jesus. When I was training, we went as part of our trip training for the, for the ministry uh, in, uh, in Oxford, and we had a uh, three-week f- three trip to the Holy Land, and we went to all the different sites, uh, Jericho and uh, various sort of places in the Old Testament we, we hear about, and also, obviously, the gospel accounts tracing Jesus' footsteps in and around Jerusalem. And uh, it was kind of great fun. It was a bunch of mates from college and we had a lot of laughs and uh, we, we had this guide who would read out relevant bits of scripture to um, accompany the, the places where we were at. It was, it was you know, eye-opening and just a great time. I really recommend if you get the opportunity to, to do one of those tours, to do it. The Bible comes alive. And I remember we went to, we went to Gethsemane, a garden of Gethsemane. And it's on the other side of the valley from Jerusalem, but you can see the city of Jerusalem all laid out. And we walked amongst these gnarled old olive bushes. And our guide informed us that you know, they, they were thousands of years old and could well have been. It's not a stretch of the imagination to suppose that these very olive bu- bushes that we could have you know, reached out and touched were there when Jesus and his disciples went to pray on this dark evening. And as uh, our guide read this passage the account of Jesus praying in Gethsemane. And then he he gave us an hour or so just to be still and to have our own time. And we kind of all almost instinctively wanted just to to find a little corner and be quiet. And there was a strange hush that came over that garden scene and came over each and every one of us. And I'm reminded of that as uh, I was preparing this passage and looking at it, I found myself asking, should I be here? I mean, this is Jesus who's calmed the storm. This is Jesus who's, who's healed the lepers. This is Jesus who's reached out to the outcasts, has begun to exercise God's kingdom, lordship, and kingship on earth. 
This is Jesus who knows what to do in every situation. He's got the right word to say. And here he is cracking up, falling apart. Isn't it something instinctively we almost want to sort of just withdraw? But Jesus took some of his closest friends and said, come with me, stay with me. Stay here and keep watch, verse 34. And I believe Jesus invites us into this passage, into this situation, as ugly and as grisly as it is, to comfort us, actually, to assure us, and to model for us how to pray to the Father even when everything seems lost and bleak and black. Prayer under pressure. And here it is. Here's this prayer. It's in verse 36. Abba, Father, Jesus said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. The prayer of Jesus under pressure. A model, a template for us when we're under pressure. Four things to notice. They all begin with A. Makes it easier to remember. It's the way Jesus addresses the Father. It's what Jesus acknowledges. It's what Jesus asks. And it's what Jesus exceeds. How he addresses the Father, what he acknowledges, what he asks, and what he exceeds. Briefly, on those four, the address is Abba, Father. Not, oh God, oh God, which is what he'll say on the cross, when the weight of human sin has acted like a barrier separating him from God, so God seems distant. No, here, even in tough times, Abba, Father, it, it denotes the intimacy, the closeness. It, it's, a, it's an intimate term, Abba. It's like sort of Papa, but it's, it's not childish. It, it's, a, it's a closeness. And even in this time of testing, I guess it takes a determination and a courage to call out to Father, to Dad. Uh, just recently, I was walking off a mountain with my 13-year-old son. Uh, we were walking off the mountain because the weather had closed in. It was getting quite... It was late in the day, it was getting dark. Uh, I, I think the wind was gusting at times about 40 or 50 miles an hour. It blew me over a couple of times. Uh, so kind of horizontal rain. The cloud was down, it was getting dark. Uh, and we just had to beetle off that mountain, really, and get back to the safety of the car. And um, I've been in situations like that a number of times. I love the wilds and the hills and so on. But I recognised, I suddenly realised, actually it dawned on me that my son, I have to just confess that my son has grown up a townie. He's, he's never known what it is for pitch black. It's just, you know, it's just a sort of the kind of sepia yellow that you get uh, when, uh, you know, at night time in the city. And suddenly to be out in, in you know, in the hills, in, in, in the mountains, uh, was a slightly unnerving experience for him as the darkness closed in and the weather wasn't so great. And so I just said, Dan, just stay close to me or walk down this, this path. And uh, every now and then, in the sort of gloom, he just would call it, Dad, Dad, can you wait a minute, Dad, stop, Dad, where are you, Dad, 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 Dad. Every time I heard him call, it's all right, love, it's all right, we're nearly there, every step, 
nearer the car. Don't worry, we'll get there. We're fine. But it's that dad. It's all he didn't say much, just dad. Dad. And that's the invitation. That's the model here. That even if we've got nothing else to say, even if we can't bring into articulation because of whatever the circumstances, either our own or others, it, it's Father. Abba, Father. Stay close to God. Even if it is just under your breath, in the intensity of the moment, Father. He addresses God as Father. Secondly, to acknowledge the Father. Abba Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Everything is possible for you. Even though the situation for Jesus here seemed impossible, everything is possible for you. It is to acknowledge who God is and who we are in relation to him. And it's a kind of counter against our natural instinct, if you like, our fleshly instinct, out of fear, to seek to control, to manage and manipulate situations. I know when I recognize those tendencies at play in myself, it's because I, I, I fear certain situations which seeks me to want to sort of control what I think I can, to manage and manipulate so that I can try and order my world. But it's God's world. And he's in ultimate control. And therefore this key to acknowledge everything is possible with you. It, it helps to reorientate ourselves when we're in the spin of confusion or depression or distress. When we get a distorted view on ourselves and others on the lives around us. When the situation has knocked and buffeted us. Everything is possible for you to acknowledge God and who he is reorientates us and our situation. He addresses God, Father. He acknowledges that everything is possible for him. Thirdly, he asks. He asks. Look at the brutal honesty of this request. Take this cup from me. It's not to literally a cup, um, figurative, a cup of suffering. It was, it's a figure of speech in Bible times. You would, uh, take a, to, to take a cup would be to sort of drink in, to take on suffering. And uh, so he's referring to the next 24, 36 hours or so. I, I think not so much the fact of his death as what his death represents taking the weight of the, the, the whole of the world's sin on his shoulders. He who's never sinned, going into an entirely new and foreign experience to know what it is to incur the wrath of God, the displeasure of God, to take your sin and my sin on himself. Lord, is there any way in which this burden can be removed from me? Take this cup from me. Now we know, uh, with hindsight and uh, through the revelation of scripture, we know what the eternal plans and purposes of God are for us, his people. And indeed for the whole world, those who have not yet seen and responded to the Lord. We know what they are. And we know that in one sense there was no way around for Jesus. As he acts as our sacrifice, takes 
our punishment in his, uh, sorry, he takes, he takes his punishment in our place. And yet nevertheless, notwithstanding that truth, he still asks, Lord, please, if there's any way, take this cup from me. It's wonderful honesty, isn't it? It's right from the gut, right from the heart. Please, take this from me. Take this from me. Temptation sometimes is that we, we, we need to sort of dress up our prayers. I can't possibly begin to pray to God until I've got myself sorted out, we might find ourselves saying. But we pray to God in order to get ourselves sorted out in order to reorientate, in order to reprioritize, in order to see again who he is and how we fit into his plans and purposes. As someone once said, if you cannot pray as you ought, you ought to pray as you can. Earthy, real. I'm hurting. I'm at my wit's end. I'm out of ideas. I'm out of strength. I'm out of inspiration. Lord, help. Take this cup from me. Honest, earthy requests. And finally, he accedes. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Not what I will, but what you will. I guess there's quite a wrestle between the request, take this cup from me, and this accession to the Father's will. Yet not what I will, but what you will. How long did it take him to get from the third to the fourth? I, I don't know. It says he'd been praying for about an hour. So that's quite some minutes, isn't it? Wrestling. And we have the benefit and the beauty of hindsight. Jesus, uh, this is Thursday night, ahead of what we know as Good Friday, his death that we might live. And then the long ache of Easter Saturday. How must the disciples have felt? Their teacher, their rabbi, dead, buried. But we know, of course, Easter Sunday, resurrection, new life. Not just for Jesus, but as he breathes the Holy Spirit on his followers and the church springs into life. And the church throughout every nation and corner of the world God in and through his people working out his purposes, bringing restoration, healing, and one day completion. We can see the trajectory. We're part of the story. But then, well, Jesus had, in one sense, humanly speaking, no idea. We can see that God has worked through this particular agonizing piece of torment, through this agony and suffering of Jesus. We can see how God has worked for good. And I wonder whether we can begin through the wrestle to get to the accession. Lord, in my struggle, in my testing, your will be done. Your will be done. Jesus invites us to stay with him and to keep watch, to pray. Because we'll face testing times. Look at verse 27, just above the passage where we, uh, our lesson was read today. 
Jesus says to his close followers, you will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Jesus knew that there'd be testing times for each of his followers, testing times for you and for me, for people that we know, loved ones going through bleak and desolate times. Final thought on Gethsemane and on this prayer. Let's just look at the sort of topography, if I can put it like this. Here he's got his followers and they kind of are scattered around Gethsemane. A few of them weary, tired. There's been a lot of adrenaline pumping around. And now they're kind of fatigued. It's a nice tree, bit of shade, comfy bit of grass. I'll just lie down. If I shut my eyes, it'll look like I'm praying. They're asleep. He takes the three, come closer. But he goes further. He withdraws to a quiet place. And he prays this prayer, verse 36, and we know from verse uh, 39, once more he went away and prayed the same thing. He's praying this prayer over and over and over, coming to the Father, acknowledging who the Father is, asking, requesting, and yet wrestling towards, reaching towards the accession, conceding, your will, not mine. Here's the question. How do we know If all the disciples are asleep, and if Jesus is on his own, how do we know what he prayed? How do we know that this went on? How does Mark know that he records it for us? If everyone's asleep and he's on his own. And I I don't know how we know, but here's what I suspect. Sometime later, after his resurrection, Jesus told them, He said, guys, guys, gather around. Not much about time. Key things. Do you remember in the garden before the death, before the crucifixion? Yeah, yeah, a bit sheepish. Mm. I was half asleep. Do you remember? This is what I prayed. This is what I went through. He told them because he knew they'd need to know. Because he knew that they would face testing times and dark times. When they would be in pain of death, Overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Deeply distressed and troubled. And he knew that they needed to know how to pray in those situations. And just as he knew that for them, I think he he knows that for us. That's why we have this here. This pattern of prayer where we address Abba Father. We acknowledge who he is to reorient our lives. We make honest requests to him with a view to get into the place where we can accede to his will, sovereign in our lives and our situations. In Jesus' name, amen.